we all look like we just got left at the altar. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best you could put it. As soon as you guys came over, just the look of defeat, the look of disappointment. Seriously, like you got left at the altar, like your bride left you at the altar. That's what we look like today. Yeah. It's one of the nicest days of the year by far, and it looks like we just went through a friggin' blizzard. I mean, I, I don't really have any words other than, yeah, defeat. We, we look the same today as we did after game four. Yeah, We're, yeah. Right? Maybe a little worse. We, I'd say worse. A little rough, a little a little rougher, I'd say. I actually feel more defeated because I actually had confidence and I was actually actually thought they were going to win. It was one of the first games I watched, and I said, "Wow, well, at least you're going to pull it off, and they're actually going to eliminate the Bruins." So I think that's why I feel shittier is because I actually thought they were going to win. Yeah, I, I felt really good about yesterday's game. Yeah, there's no sense beating around the bush. We're getting straight into Leafs right away because it's just on our minds. It's on every Leafs fan's mind right now. If for those of you don't know, who don't know, I was at the game yesterday, and I've had an impeccable record in Toronto at the ACC and Scotia. Can we go through your record? Like can Playoffs? we go through? Yeah, can we? No, let's go through like. Well, first of all, your season record's incredible. This year, I was. I think I was at home. I was five and zero, oh, and one on one on the road. This year. This year. Wow. Um, that was including game three playoffs all time. I, I'm five and one. The only loss comes in 1999 against Pittsburgh. They opened the series and lost two nothing. My dad knew this guy Dan Kessa, who got us tickets. Lost that game two nothing. I remember going down. Um, Brasso was there I think Lemieux was kicking around and all I wanted to do was meet Matt Sundin that's sort of <laughs> off topic when my dad sort of kicking me like shut up like all the Pens fans are here you gotta yeah. but yeah all time record playoffs 5-1 and one. regular seasons gotta be like 90% win percentage yeah like I remember one year um, it was back when the Leafs they had no one on the team I believe they had like, like the Hagman days. The Hagman days, yeah. yeah, those days. No one was on the team, and I had the worst record for a while. Um, I saw a few games with one with you, Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah, we memorable saw, game. Remember they lost four three. Yeah. And then I, I could not see a win for the longest time. Like I went to two shutouts. I remember going to two shutouts. I went to two games where Toronto didn't score a goal, and then I'm like, Bri, I got to go to a game with you because your record is so good at, when you're going to Leaf games. And then we went, we saw Panthers, Leafs, and sure. the Leafs won 3-2. Yeah. So I actually, I mean, to speak to Brian's point, he has a great record at Leafs games. I had to go with him to finally break my curse because every time I would go, not only were they, weren't, were they not winning, they weren't scoring goals. And I was confident going into yesterday. Honestly, yeah. I know it means nothing, but simply because of the record I've had there, and I know it has nothing to do with the Leafs who yeah. were on the ice, but I still felt, okay, I'm going. Usually, the overwhelmingly amount of time I go, they win. And yeah. I was fired up going in tomorrow. Brian also went to game... Game three. Game three, three where they win. won 3-2. That's why I was also really high on that, because you had already gone to a game this series, and th- they pulled it off. So And when it was one nothing, and, and Riley had that shot from the point, I looked over at my cousin and said, this is it. We, yeah. We're winning this now. There, there's no way, after how loud the arena was, we were going to go ahead and blow that game. And the next shift, they took a dumb penalty. And I, I was telling um, Anthony earlier, the arena went dead silent. Because they knew. Yeah. They knew They knew how... The fans are educated. They know how bad their penalty kill has been at home. And they just could sense that wave of, of momentum coming through Boston. And yeah. sure enough, so happened. That was a perfect way to start the game. If you were to draw it up, they had the energy, the crowd was loud. 
they got the first goal. The first goal in the playoffs is always so important. And I had a good feeling about it too. I woke up yesterday morning, had a good feeling about the game for some reason. There was this vibe, Easter Sunday, it's feeling good. You're gonna you're watching as you're eating a good dinner with your family. I felt good about it. And the game started off good. And then like you mentioned that that penalty when they when they not even when Boston scored it on that power play, when they took the penalty, I already felt okay. This is not good because they just scored. Uh, they just scored to take the lead, and they had a few chances to start the game. And then for some reason, for me personally, all the energy once Ennis took that penalty, I didn't have a good feeling about that penalty kill. I don't know why. I think the whole building and like all the Leaf fans, you know, like you were at the game. You, like as soon as Ennis took the penalty, you just feel the atmosphere. Just I'm, like, not, I'm not even talking. Yeah, I'm not even talking about when yeah. Boston scored. I'm talking about when he took right. the penalty. Was, I had a feeling. I'm sure every every fan, if you you know you've watched this team, whether it's all season or your entire life, you knew that the minute Ennis took that penalty, you knew what was happening. It was a collective was groan, and it, it, it's it went from. Like utter hysteria inside the building, and flag, um, flags were waving. Everyone's screaming. One of the loudest times I've ever heard, like the, that arena. And as soon as that arm went up and the call was made, almost dead silence. And everyone was just nervous. And everyone around me, like Boston scoring. Everyone knew. It's just everyone knew what was happening. I, I think that was the turning point of the game. In every game, uh, the Leafs play. Whenever they get a goal, I always in my head, I'm like, okay survive the next five minutes without a conceding a goal and b taking a penalty that's what i try like that's what i'm saying in my head mm-hmm. because i feel like once you score a goal you know that saying you don't get too high don't get too low be somewhere in the middle compete and then keep and then play with that lead but get through that first five minutes with the lead and they couldn't even go the first minute without taking a penalty mm-hmm. What bugs me about that, and I, I understand that fourth line has been playing well and they haven't really been a liability this series, but why come back with why why put that lineup out there right after you score a goal and have momentum? He's done I, it all year. I don't get it. He's though. done it all year. And you you think that he might change change that going into the playoffs, but again, and we talked about it before, a stubborn Babs mentality. He he hasn't changed his philosophy all year. They score a goal, oh we need energy. So they put the fourth line out, which is arguably what their slowest line. Oh, this it's an energy line, but then look at them. They've killed them all series. They've been taking dumb penalties left and right. I think there was too much energy in the building to put the energy line out, if that makes sense. Yeah, there was 100%. already energy in the building. The team already had energy. You don't need a line to go out there and give you energy. I don't understand the mentality where you're up one nothing to send your fourth line out. No. Right after you score. Send out send out Matthews. Because it was the third line that scored the goal, right? Nylander passed yeah. back to Riley. Riley scored. Yeah. Send out Matthews or, t- or the Tavares line. Yeah. Why would you send out the fourth line in the next shift? I, I, I there's, but, but that's not the first time I've seen that done. Well, like there's been year. even on the road. I'm like, okay, so we just got a goal. I think even when Matthews, I gotta double check this, but when Matthews scored in game five, I'm not sure what line was sent out, but I've definitely seen that fourth line out there during periods of the game where you think, okay, I mean, shouldn't the big boys be out there? Like, shouldn't Tavares and Marner be out no. there? Shouldn't Matthews and, and Janssen be out there and Kapanen? Like, you almost notice it more... I mean, when you're watching at home, yeah, you notice it. But when you're in person, it angers you even more. Game three, the same thing happened. Leafs would score fourth line out there. Leafs would score fourth line out there. And everyone around... It's not just me. It's not just us saying this. Everyone around me, you can hear them vocalizing. 
what's he doing? Yeah. Were they, Why are they out there? You'd actually hear people. People in the were mad in the stands. Wow. Yes. So this is a good segue into my first question: Is Mike Babcock getting out coached? Mm, I don't think so. I, not as bad as he did last year. This, but I think this, last year he this, for sure this got series, coached. But this, this series, I, I don't, I don't think he's getting out coached. I think he's, I think he's out coaching himself. To be honest with you, I think he's making some poor decisions, um, which are leading to some errors in there. I don't think, I don't think Cassie's done anything spectacular to out coach him, aside from maybe shuffling the lines a bit. So last game they, they were changing, they threw Pasternak around a little bit, but I don't think he's really out coaching Babcock compared to last year. I think these teams are more equally balanced head-to-head than they were last year. So I don't think Cassidy's doing anything to out-coach Babcock at this point. And and I honestly think maybe going on the road does take that sort of advantage away from Babcock. That seems to be a disadvantage. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? With the matchup game? Mm -hmm. He almost has no choice now. It's up to Cassidy to match. I think that's where the detriment is to Babcock. So I don't think he's being out-coached, but I do think he's making some silly mistakes. But at the end of the day, the players got to play. But is silly mistakes being out coached? Because you said he's out coaching himself, and I can, I think I can, I can agree with that. Yeah. Because he's not like you see Cassidy makes some little adjustments in around his lineup, whereas Babcock is keeping things relatively the same. And I think he keeping things the same yeah. is you know goes to that point of him being very stubborn and not wanting to change. But is that is that being out coached? Is is refusing to change some of your ways or or moving guys up and down the lineup or not playing some guys seventeen minutes a game, aka Patrick Marlowe, is that is that being out coached? I think I, it's easy to say that after a loss. Yeah, mm-hmm. but he's been he's been the same all series long, so I think he sees them win two games in Boston, and he's just sticking to his ways because in his mind it's working, mm-hmm. and it has been working. It's just easy to sort of pinpoint some of that stuff. After a loss and maybe out of frustration, yeah. But for the majority of this series, it has been working. But you you really pinpoint it after a loss, like we are now, yeah. right? If they won last night. Marlo played eighteen minutes. We wouldn't care. Yeah, and winning cures everything, right? When it's you're a winning, talking it's, point because yeah. they they had a chance to win that series at home, and and this is the issues that we have today. So one of the things or one of the reasons they got beat yesterday. Um, one was because they had one of the worst second periods I've ever seen them play. Uh, number two was clearly they lost on special teams. Bruins scored, was it two power play goals? Yeah. And the Leafs went 0 for 3. And 0 for 3. Um, so this is, what I, this is what I mean when Babcock keep things relatively the same. The power play hasn't changed for a while. And it's, it's the same setup. It's the same entry into the zone. And I'm just not seeing for for a power play that has Austin Matthews, John Tavares, Mitch Marner, Morgan Riley, they should have way more zone time on the power play than they do. Boston gets a lot of zone time on their power play. And yeah, it it's starting. I, I, to I don't me. get it. It's starting to their power play yesterday was completely ineffective. There wasn't one time on the power play yesterday where I was on the edge of my seat, super excited with a, a possible scoring chance. Like they they'd enter the zone. Make a couple of bad passes, whiff on a shot, set the end of their ice again. And there, there was just no momentum on their power. And there's plays. so much talent on it, and one of the things I look at is I see Austin Matthews the last two goals he scored from the right side. Mm-hmm. Why isn't Matthews lining up on the power play on the right side? Ch- change things up. Put Marner on the left. Put Matthews on the right side where he can potentially go up for a one timer. Because I mean, look at Game Five. He has a he has a great one time shot, mm-hmm. 
And he looks like he's very comfortable shooting from the right-hand side because he, he even scored, didn't score a one-timer, but he scored a great goal like that yesterday. Little adjustments like that, I, I think Babcock should make. Just a, a tiny little adjustment moving Austin Matthews on, mm-hmm. on, on the right side opposed to the left. Just because, to throw Boston off. Just to throw them off because I feel like that curl and drag Matthews does, they're taking that, that hasn't been available for him all series. The whole league knows. And they know Marner's coming on the, on, off the right side there and he's looking for a pass to, to JT or Matthews cross ice. We, if we know that, NHL players and coaches know that. Yeah. And, and that's all they're doing. That's all they were trying yesterday. And mm-hmm. it's ineffective. Switch something up to then put the ball in Cassidy's court and say, oh, we didn't see that coming. Let's switch up mid-game now and put the pressure on him. They they know how to defend. And I think right now we're just too predictable. We're very On the power play, very, very predictable. And it leads me to my second point. How do you guys feel about the, the, the second power play unit? It's ass. <laughs> <laughs> it's really the only way to say it. Like what, happened, what happened to them stacking the power play at the beginning of the year? It's gone. But make, so maybe the answer I, is I, not stacking the power play. I, and, and that's what I'm talking about, making some changes. Your second power play is Ennis, Marlowe, and Nylander. That's horrible. That should not, it should not happen. Those top six forwards should be playing the entire power play. And I don't care if he's like I don't know if he's just doing it to to keep that matchup game and keep the lines intact for when you know you go back to a power or back to even strength. But man, I, I said it before, like we, we talked about it before the playoffs began. Like one of the keys to this series was was the power play. Yeah, you have to take advantage of Boston's errors, and it's gonna happen when they get penalties and they're in the box. You have to jump on those power play opportunities. Boston's doing it to them. You know their their power play is unbelievable, and they're stacking their power plays. Their first lines out every power play, first line. But for more line, than second forty line. seconds yesterday, yeah. what I noticed is is they'd be out there 40, 50 seconds, mm-hmm. the, and they'd be off, and the second line would come in. Sometimes for more time than the first power play was out for, mm-hmm. and we're all standing there like, what? Why aren't they out there for a minute and a half? It's not a true minute and a half when you're on the power play. You're mm-hmm. not defending in your own zone. You're out there just circling around in the offensive zone. There's no reason why Matthew should only be playing 40 or 50 seconds on the power play. If I'm Boston, I'm like, okay, two-minute penalty against us. Let's get through the first minute, and then we have to deal with a crappy power play unit that the Leafs could throw in the second minute. Yeah. like that's Boston's really only killing... About a minute where there is a real threat for Toronto score because I don't see anything like for me when Nylander, Marlowe, and Ennis are out there, they might get a shot from the perimeter. Other than that, Boston's clearing out of the zone. So what you said is good. So you either keep or and what Brian said too, you either keep the first power play unit out for a minute and a half, or you balance things out. Maybe you throw Matthews on the second power play unit with with Nylander. All right. Mm-hmm. Or, or you maybe you move Tavares, like just balance, maybe balance it out a little bit. If you are gonna do the minute for one power play unit and a minute for the next, I don't know. Like, what's the point of stacking it if you're not gonna keep them out there for a minute and a half? But are we sitting here? Can we, can any of us actually say that's gonna happen for Game Seven? It's not gonna. Like happen. He's not gonna it's change not. his ways for sixty minutes. And that's why I asked you guys. Do you think he's getting a little out coached? Because I think if Bruce Cassidy saw that. He'd make the adjustments. Well, he did make an adjustment actually. Game two, he moved um, not for the power play, but he moved. Was it, what did he move? Um, Pasternak. He moved to the third line or second. Sorry, second, second line. Got him going and put him back. And to then the put first. him back on the first. It's yeah. you know. And they juggled. He juggled the lines. He made yeah. a game change and he put him back on the first line. And I, I got. I haven't seen one in-game change 
made by Mike Babcock. And I'm not saying that, that he should be fired because I know we had this conversation a couple weeks ago. It doesn't mean I should think he should be fired after the season. It's just for the best coach in the world. Where's our, where's our adjustments? Because the NHL series are all about adjustments. Well, someone was saying, uh, I heard on the uh, someone the other day saying that when Babcock was with Detroit, he did bench or limit minutes of third and fourth line players. So I don't understand what the difference is now. Yeah. Like with Detroit, he, I think he benched Helm for a little while and a lot of those slower, older guys that weren't doing anything, he put him in the press box. They only played him five minutes a night. Mm-hmm. So why, why is he all of a sudden stubborn? It's yeah. not like he's always been doing that. He's been yeah. doing it with the Leafs, yes, but not always throughout his career. Maybe because they're a younger team. Is that is that could that be a reason why like he really wants to show his? Well, you think he, there's he's the head honcho de- here? Development and the process and the process sticking to the process. I'm sick of it. I think it's over for me. I know it's over. This is this is your third year now. Okay, yeah. the it's first over. year you were there, you shouldn't have been. You took Washington to six. You were up two one, but everyone knew you were losing that anyway. Great experience. The second year, you lose in game seven. Everyone still sort of gives the team a pass. They're still young, so only second year in the playoffs. Now these guys are starting to get paid. And now they're starting to put themselves in that superstar level. You brought JT in. Excuses are done. Win around now. Like, yeah. this, this whole, I will not walk away from this series if they lose this and say it was a good learning experience. No, no I chance. Don't, I don't accept that's that. That's not what we're looking that for. That's not what any Leaf fan is no. looking for. We're not looking for a learning experience. That's an excuse. That was the last two years. Yeah. And even last year after Game 7, I could walk away and say at least they played in Game 7. Mm. If last year was a true learning experience, take that learning experience and bring it tomorrow. The learning experience is the 82 games they played during the season as well because they mailed it in for the first or the last month, right? Mm-hmm. And then they decided to turn it on or turn on that switch in April when the playoffs start. And it looks like they did that. If there is some positivity to take away from what we're talking about right now, that is a positive thing. Yeah. They did, for whatever reason, turn their they switch They somehow on turned on a switch. I don't know how. Yeah. And it, they're doing it. And we said at the beginning of the series, I don't think we they can. Mm-hmm. They're proving us wrong in that regard that, yeah, they all of a sudden learn how to play defense and learn how to tighten up, mm-hmm. which I think is a testament to coaching, yes, in a way, but also the players. And maybe it did look like they were just disinterested in the regular season, but it might come back to, to bite them if they lose tomorrow night. So little, I think what we're looking for going forward, and we're probably not going to see it, like Brian mentioned, is these little adjustments. That's what I feel like Mike Babcock can do better. All right? So enough about um, enough about Mike Babcock. So I'm sure we'll have lots to discuss about him going forward. All right? Let's talk about the players. We asked Matthews to be better. He has been better. Dominant. Dominant. He was dominant he's been, yesterday. He's, he's been, been the awesome Matthews yeah. that everybody knows he is. He's taking over when he's on the ice. He's been taking over the play. Yeah, he's playing physical now too. Yeah, he's throwing hits. He's finishing. He's checks. using his body. It's great. It's he's, great. Yeah. And he's creating more space for himself too. He's finishing checks and he's turning over the puck. And like I said, he's being he's being that dominant power forward that everyone thinks he he is. And and well, everybody knows he is. So that's so, good to see. So answer this question for people that are listening to this podcast right now. Because if you look on the scoreline, you may find them absent. Where's Mitch Marner and where's John Tavares? They're playing up against one of the best lines in yeah. hockey. I think that's where yeah. they are. <laughs> you want to talk about, I would say, the one adjustment Cassidy said he was going to make and was going to figure out was Marner. And he said it after game one. Because Marner and the, the Tavares line was completely dominant in game one. He said, we have to figure out Mitch Marner. And that's good and coaching. And that's good, good coaching. coaching. But it's also, I feel like it's also opened him up to, like I said, Matthews and like all these other lines starting to more chances. But it, again, it's just like... A veteran team, 
veteran team, veteran defense, good coaching, and they just they made that adjustment for for that line and for for Marner. So that's where they've gone. I don't think they're they're playing. They're not playing bad. No, I, I just I think, think they're, they're being shut down. I think that line is canceling each other out for the most part. Yeah. And really, yesterday came down to special teams. So I think five on five, those two lines are doing a great job at keeping the other in check. Yeah. So I think that's that's a sort of short answer as to where Mitch Marner is. But you can almost pull a Cassidy and, and put Mar- put Marner on the Matthews line, maybe put Kapanen up with Tavares. Mm-hmm. Just for a couple shifts or a period. That's all. Get Marner away from, from Bergeron and see what he can do on maybe that second unit there. And, and I, I asked that question not because I think Marner and Tavares are playing horribly. I mm-hmm. think they do the little things during the game that you, that you want your players to do. It's just production-wise... It probably should be a little bit better. I mean, I'm like right on top of the Tavares fan club, so yeah, but yeah, I'll be too. the first to, to criticize him. I think, yeah, he has, he is doing a lot of those little things that aren't on the score sheet and that mm-hmm. sometimes we just don't even see on TV. Yeah. And that is keeping that top line in check. But you come home, you get paid 11.6, or sorry, 11, you do want a little bit more production. Besides, I mean, besides the one empty net goal, that's pretty much the only goal that Tavares has. And mind you, we're not here to say that he's um, been playing poorly. Uh, we have a John Tavares shrine in the room. We're doing the podcast right now. Maybe we'll maybe we'll tweet that out or we put it on our we Instagram. Had a prayer before we started. Yeah, yeah. it's a shrine. Uh, we, we love John Tavares. We think he's a great player. But w- one goal in the series. Empty net, um, mind you, too. Probably he probably should have more than that. And same with Mitch; he just scored in the one game. Yeah. He probably should be pitching a little more as well. I'm sure they will. I'm sure they'll show. They've showed up every game. They've played with heart. They've played um, determined. Every, and they've battled every game this series. It's just production is what you pay those players for, right? Yeah, and that's that's what you expect of them. And like again, seeing watching in person, you see a lot of the things that you don't see on camera. And JT is hustling like that guy is He's on every man. puck. He he hits. He's he's putting that effort forward that you expect from a guy like that. He's also taking a beating. Yeah, and that's the thing. He's he's playing against Bergeron, who's arguably one of the best two way players. Some people say in history, yeah. right? So that's not an easy task to to go up against. I think he's doing a great job of that. But like I already said, you pay a guy a lot of money and, and you expect goals from him. a guy who almost got fifty in the regular season. Mm-hmm. I think if we win today, it. He has to have a big. Sorry, tomorrow he has to have a big game. But if we lose a series, it's not all pinned on him. Yeah. No. No way. It, they've been the most. Marner and, and Tavares are the reason probably we're in the playoffs. They've been the most. And well, obviously Freddie Anderson. They've been the most consistent players on the team the mm-hmm. whole year, right? Um, again, besides Freddie Anderson. So uh, we, we just need them to show up in Game Seven because it be, it'd be it would be great. If you could have them firing and producing and then have Matthews producing the way he's been. Which we've been waiting for, I honestly say, all year long. We've been, before the season started, we said, oh, can you imagine the Marner line, Tavares, and then Matthews both clicking on the same night? I don't think we've seen a game where both lines have been going strong. It's either one or the other. Yeah. And I think tomorrow is the day to do it. Have both lines going strong, both lines rolling, both lines producing. I think that's what we were envisioning back, you know, last July when Tavares signed, putting those two top lines out. We're like, it's going to be a cakewalk with those guys out there. And it yeah. hasn't been really. It has been, yes, but not at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So we can agree that uh, game four and game six, big missed opportunities that might come back to 
uh, bite the Leafs. You know where my disappointment comes from? Yes, losing yesterday, but what it could have meant to the city and myself and all of us here and all Leafs fans witnessing the first series win since 04, doing it on home ice, doing it with this group of players. It could have been one of those where were you when moments and something we talk about 30, 40 years from now saying, you remember when they finally won a series mm-hmm. for the first time since we were like 12 years old? Yeah. And that's what I think was bugging me a lot last night too is mm-hmm. that was such an opportunity to, to make history really in the city of Toronto. I know it's embarrassing for teams that have won cups and have actually won rounds, but winning a round means a lot to us right now. You <laughs> know, it's it's everything means, it means everything, yeah. to, everything to not only to not only the fan base but the team. Yeah, it, it, act, it means it's mm-hmm. the difference between a successful and unsuccessful season. Yeah, and that for again for fans that are listening who are fans of teams that have won cups or even won rounds, they're they're laughing at us. But to us, that's what means a lot right now. Just winning a round since again the first time since '04, where I was 11 years old. Yeah, I think also. You, you, not to look so far ahead, but you look at what's happened in the playoffs so far with all these top seeds getting eliminated. You kind of also get the thought in your head of, you know, if the Leafs advance past the Bruins series, where else can they go? You know, you look at the Tampas and the Calgarys, like all these top teams are getting knocked out. If you look at the way that the playoffs are, are sort of finishing up, well, the first round at least, anyone can win the cup. To be honest with you, when you actually look at it, there's there's no dominant team that said they are a cup favorite. That was all done before the playoffs, and now that now that all these upsets are occurring, you, that thought obviously creeps into your head. Where you say, "Well, you know what? If they do beat the Bruins, you know, go, getting to a Stanley Cup final isn't as you know as far out as everyone thinks it is now." I truly haven't even thought about that because I'm so focused. I think about it. I look ahead. We can't. Why? What gives us? What gives you the right to look ahead? What have the Leafs done to give you the say? Hey, let's look ahead. It's just optimism. It's just looking. Why are you optimistic? I'm, I am optimistic. <laughs> I'm optimistic now because I, I've seen the way they've played for this entire series, and in my mind, they they've they are, have played better than Boston. But you they can, deserve to. Yeah, you're right. They have played better. They than have Boston. played better, Boston, and they they. Or they so it shouldn't be three three. It shouldn't be. They should be moving on. Yeah, but Boston right now. Aside from having yeah. home ice advantage, they also have mental advantage tomorrow. Mental advantage is big. I think that's something that's not being spoken about enough. Yeah, these players are saying the right things when reporters bring it up. We're not focused on last year, 2013. But they are. It's it's going in that building for Game 7. It's, yeah. it's history. They've been there before. And we all know what happened. And I, I think a large majority of us think the same thing's going to happen against tomorrow. And I think the Leafs are, I've always said this, uh, they're a little when it comes to the mental game, they're a little fragile, and that that's what scares me for Game Seven. But maybe this situation yeah. puts uh, makes yeah. maybe they make the best of it. But you, who but knows? you also have to think too. They've gone into this series and beaten Boston at home twice already. But that's playing with fire. Asking to do it three times that is that is tough. They're a team that they they have proven this year that they can win on the road. So, go ahead, Ray. No. Here's, here's what I'll take away from tomorrow. If we lose, I'll say that was 1,000% expected, and that's typical Leafs, and we had a chance and a blown opportunity, and I'll be furious. If we win, I will genuinely be shocked. I will actually be completely blown out of my mind. You have no, re- other, you have no reason to think otherwise. Why would I? Otherwise, right? Why Past would I? history has proven you can't, you have no optimism. But again, I just, I look at, I think I'm, I'm done I don't want to say I'm done, but I'm starting to lean towards a bit a side of optimism because I know that this is a completely different team. 
And I, I believe they can go in and win a third road game. Last year we had a different team than we did in 2013, yeah. and that's what everyone was focusing on last year. This is different. But I think I think if you want to look at it, they and you've if you've listened to their interviews and all their press conferences, and also again, this is a team that did go through it last year for the majority of those players. That's something that they will learn from and have learned from from last year that they didn't because most of those guys weren't on the team in 2013. They can learn all they want though. But it really experience comes down to does change you. They it can you. they can learn and they can go into that game like we learned from last year. Boston gets two power plays early and they're down two nothing in the first five minutes. Well, and then what do you learn? They would have to learn from from this series and be disciplined. At that's, some that's point, really, though, it's, it, at some point, it can't be about learning anymore. It's got to be about doing. Mm-hmm. And this is what I see from Toronto. This is what I said yesterday, because it it, it goes into your point about anybody. Literally anybody can win the Stanley Cup playoffs this year. Anybody yeah. can win the cup. Yeah. Any team. Tampa's out. Calgary's out. The Predators might be out. Washington. Washington. The Washington series is not over. Okay. Where, where is the killer instinct, instinct for Toronto? Because I don't really think they have one. Game six on home ice. You should smell blood. You should put that series away. What should also fuel your team is the fact that, hey, guess what? We don't have to deal with the 62-win Tampa Bay Lightning in the next round. Mm-hmm. That should serve as extra motivation. They shouldn't even need that. But where's the killer in- instinct to finish off the Bruins and have a better path to the finals than what they might have had before with the gauntlet of Bruins and then Tampa? You don't have to deal with Tampa anymore. Here's, I'm going to admit being wrong on these these couple things here, okay? Going into the series, I was convinced they'd lose game one, and they won. Then I was convinced after game two that they'd lose game three, and they won. After game four, I was convinced they'd lose game five, and they won. I think with game seven, it's honestly a coin flip. And I'm not I'm not confident going into it. So I, I it's a coin flip that we usually wrong. lose. That's why it's yeah, a coin flip I mean. that Toronto So three loses. times they've proven me wrong, and they've come yeah. out with an unbelievable effort. This time around, I just, I hate to be negative. I truly do. It's just they haven't done anything since I pretty much just got out of diapers to, win, to show that they can win a series. And yes, I was still wearing diapers when I was 11. <laughs> so how, I don't understand where you can get this optimism from. I, I just truly, I commend you for it and I, I just think, I think, I, just where think. You, I think where you get this optimism from is you, you got to almost put the series back in perspective and say this matchup is a seven game series. This is a second seed against a third seed, right? This is a seven game series. This is a series like the Sharks and Golden Knights, two really good hockey clubs. That's a seven game series. You gotta, I, I think it's almost putting this whole situation back into perspective and almost forgetting the fact that, oh, they had the chance in four in game four to go up three one, or oh, they had a chance just to eliminate them. I can't really get it out of my head, but it's it's the effort to try and say, these are two good teams going up against each other. Now let's see who the better team is in Game Seven. I think I think that's almost. I think where I get it from too is like just watching this team. This team always plays well when there's pressure on them a bit, and you notice it when they have either a lead in the series or a lead in the game. They always sit back when they get a lead and they're, they're, the pressure is off a bit. Then they start to get a little bit lazy. But when this team is in a pressure situation, like coming back from uh, deficits or coming back in the series, they always play well. So I feel like going into Boston, it's Game Seven. You know, there there is that pressure there. They're going to be on their heels. And you I think could argue that yesterday was a big pressure situation, and they 
Yeah, yeah but then the whole narrative is, oh, they got they had two games to win one, and and yeah, they're at home, and yeah, they had a chance to to win it. But I feel like I don't know. They they've never been a good home team. They they've, they've played well this year at home. But you're you're the better uh, the better road team. Yes, you have the Leafs playing on the road, being a better road team, and all that kind of stuff. But you also have Boston, like I mentioned, yeah, who has that mental courage that mental toughness. toughness they have mental toughness knowing that all those a lot of those same guys were there in 2013 and they were there in 2018 so a lot of those guys can go to the dressing room tomorrow and be like it's in their head let's go guys they're gonna have unlimited amounts of confidence tomorrow even if they're down three nothing mm-hmm. that entire dressing room is like we've, we've done this before we can do it again mm-hmm. and it's up for the Leafs to show that they can well then it's gonna go back to your point then it is a 50 50 game it, it is what team what team will be ready to play what team is going to be more mentally strong what team is going to be more dominant and ultimately who's going to come out and win the game that's a, the point for I don't think I don't think the it's shifted in Boston's favor just because of the history because at home I just think that there are two I'd say they're two evenly matched teams arguably I said the Leafs have all played them. It's just, are they gonna show up and take the game? Yeah, and that's and that's perspective. Are they that's ready really to move on and are ready to put that the past in the past and move forward as a franchise, or are they gonna again let the demons creep in and let Boston come in and just steal it from them? So with this optimism, how are you gonna cope if they lose tomorrow? How can, how can you come away from tomorrow night if they lose? And again, I hate to be negative. I'm so sorry. Just a lot of years of frustration yeah. watching this team. How can you move forward, say Wednesday morning, and be like, well? What are you going to take away from it Wednesday morning? I'll take away that they... I don't think there's anything to take away from this series if they lose. You just keep... I would say that they're going to... I think it's a failed season. I would say... I don't see... If you're looking at it holistically and in terms of like the actual process of this, I'm going to go back and say the rebuild. They are taking steps forward every year. And you're not just going to go from, you know, playing Boston, well, not twice, and losing, well, potentially two game sevens to... Oh, right, coming out and winning the Stanley Cup in one year. Like it is it is a process and like winning winning takes it does take time if you're a team, especially a young team. And they always say you have to learn from failures. But and younger I feel like this if they lose game seven, I will feel better about losing game seven this year than game seven last year. Younger teams in the past because have- the because I'm optimistic about what the future is holding. Because again, they're they're still not there yet. Just to go off that point. If they lose tomorrow, they really didn't make any progress because they lost Game 7 last year right? in the first round in Boston. This is the exact same scenario a year later. It's almost like they would make no progress. I think it's a wasted season. It's a, I, I think it's a wasted season. I think this season always lied on getting through one round. You had This season is a success if you get through one round. It's even more of a success if you get through the Boston Bruins. Do you, so you see some like you see development, you see progress well, even th- if they lose to I, I think it's a massive it's obviously a massive massive win for them and the franchise if they win game 7. But Biggest I don't years. I don't see it as I mean it's 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 bad to say if they, you know, I'm happy if they I'm not going to be happy if they lost. I'm going to be pissed because they deserve to win the series. But I'm saying if they were to lose the series, I wouldn't take it as negatively as let's say maybe last year. This is it's hard to explain. I still think they're taking a lot of steps forward and in, in their development and of the maybe, younger guys, adding pieces and I, I mean maybe the road games. Yeah. You know, maybe the road games are something you can point to. Leafs have won two road games in this series. Uh, but the Leafs haven't won three road games in a playoff series since 1951. We were talking about this earlier, Brian, and that was against Boston. Mm-hmm. 
bottom line... Just to add to the narrative of them going to another crucial game. Leafs lose tomorrow, and I am beside myself upset. Like, I legitimately might take Wednesday off work because I just can't go into work mm-hmm. and, and listen to people say, ha-ha, Leafs lost at Boston again. Like, that's how passionate I am for this team. If they win... Every nonsense that I've dealt with over the last... It, it changes everything. If it, they do. Uh, going into Boston and, and winning Game 7 for the... I mean, third time's maybe a charm. We lost in 23rd and we lost last year. It could change my entire viewpoint of this franchise right now. Yeah. One 60-minute effort... Isn't that crazy? How one effort, one 60-minute game can change everything. Not only just myself. Forever. You guys, everybody. everybody all, and, the entire, and the franchise, too, yeah, right? The entire franchise can finally sort of exhale... And it sounds so sad saying that, but it just means a lot. That like tomorrow, a win tomorrow could just throw me over the moon. It could be the difference between keeping William William Nylander and trading William Nylander, offering Jake Gardner another contract or not offering him another contract. Like it could, there's it could be a lot of things here uh, that are all based on the fact if they win or lose. Yeah, right. I, I don't think the players. I, I know the players definitely know what's at stake. But I think there's a lot more at stake for the mental psyche of a lot of the fans and maybe management too going mm-hmm. into this game. It's just in the media. The <laughs> there's media there's too, so yeah. much on the line yeah. tomorrow. It, it's not just a game. It's not just a game seven do or die for the Leafs. This this really dictates for me. I, this is the way I see it. This really dictates if this season was successful mm-hmm. or not. It's not another game seven against say like a Carolina. It's if this series they were they went to seven with Carolina and lost, then it would be like, oh geez, they lost in seven again. Yeah. But it's because it's in Boston. This is Boston, this is different. This is a chance to just get rid of all those demons. It's it's such a different narrative. It's almost like winning building. a little mini Stanley Cup. It's almost like a mini Stanley Cup final because it means so much. And the confidence I can give this group moving yeah. forward, it's the first time I'm actually looking forward if they did win. It's crazy. I like the I like to go to your point earlier, I like the rods. Of going on a deep playoff run if they can get through yeah. this series, and, and that's what I mean by the optimism. It's just like knowing that all that pressure well, is not going to be. Well, this is their Goliath. This is their Goliath, yeah, right? This is their Goliath. Conquering the Bruins, one like you said, will get sort of I don't know, the media to back off them, but they'll, you know, there won't be as much media pressure, I believe, if they go in because again, once they get if they get past the first round, that's it. It's a clean slate. Let's clean move on. Slate. There's a new narrative. They won the series. All right, boys, let's go. Go it's play Columbus. Year. Let's see what happens. Yeah. You know, obviously there's going to be pressure on them to win because you're expected to win every series and win the cup every year. But there won't be as much as oh, it's the Bruins. Here we go again, and like them just you know, having all this constant pressure of, of getting past it. They've they've done that. They've accomplished their goal. It it's a huge step forward in the franchise. There's going to be a ton of optimism around them. Okay, let's see what happens. It's similar almost to like the Washington Pittsburgh thing, but the only difference is Washington yeah. had actually won some rounds. They never really got out of the second round, but at least they had won a round to get to that second round to lose to Pittsburgh. But it's it's similar in a way, yeah, getting over that hump, finally. Mm-hmm. And the narrative would be flipped like a switch. Yeah. No. It's it's crazy how how extreme it could be on either side based on the result tomorrow. And the reason why I haven't looked ahead, I should probably explain why, is back in 2013, at least up 4-1, I texted both of you guys. <laughs> specifically said we're going to New York let's start looking into flights to New York and I got ahead of myself weren't you I, driving to Toronto at that uh, you said you are going to pick me up after the game to go to and we were going to fl- go, I was texting up for one I'm like I'm going to pick you guys up we're going to Toronto we're going to flag and then we're going to start looking into flights to New York and I was ever, ready to go man in your Jeep in that red Jeep that you had yeah I was ready top to go. down you guys would be hanging from the, the top of the, the yeah. Jeep 
ever since they lost, I said never again. I'm never ever gonna look forward past the 60 minutes, unless it's regular season and stuff like that, or like a you know a playoff game here and there. But never again am I looking forward to another series. I agree. It's uh, it's tough to look forward when the now is so important, and the now there's there's so many questions around what's what's happening now, and what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, so I, I I totally get that because it's they they have to they have to take care of business right now against the Bruins first before before we can look ahead to uh, Columbus. Yeah. Even though it's a great matchup, there I mean there are no pushover either. Oh no no, Columbus is Columbus is a great team. It's yeah. a better matchup. Probably my biggest underdog. Teams. It would be a better matchup than Tampa, but boss but uh, Columbus sorry is no pushover. They, they, they just swept Tampa. They they yeah. they, they swept them. They can't they can't Tampa be, and four man. You can't take that team lightly at all. They just swept the best team in the league. Should we should we go and talk about some other series, or do you guys want to talk about uh, the last thing I kind of wanted to bring up regarding the Leafs Bruins series, and that's roughing. And kind of refing in in the playoffs in general. Well, let's talk about it. I think it's a, it's a huge talking point. It's yeah. So point. how like for me, I look at the series. I look at the the officiating, and I'm really not sure what's a penalty or not. I'm, I want to like preface this by saying I'm looking at this as objectively as I can, and I have received a lot of texts from Vancouver fans, from Flyers fans, that have texted me said the refing has been terrible. And, and, I, and I, yeah, that's a good and point. On both sides. I, I don't want just like I'm not saying Toronto's been. Uh, getting rinsed by the refs, like that's not what I'm saying at all. But they, it, in all, it, overall, it, I feel it's a little inconsistent. It, it became very inconsistent after I think game one and two, where they were letting absolutely everything go, and then after that, I feel like the league or someone spoke to them, and now it's just you don't know what's a penalty. Is it you don't know what's? I don't think the refs have had a control at all through any of these six games so far. Mm-hmm. I think this has been one of the most poorly officiated series I've ever seen. And a large part of the reason is because I'm not sure what's a penalty. Because a penalty at the beginning of the hockey game is not a penalty in the last five minutes of a hockey game. And I feel like it's very situational. Like if the Leafs are up, if the Leafs are up three, let's say the Leafs are up three, two, they'll call a softy on Toronto that wouldn't be called if it was two, two. Yeah. If the Bruins are up four, three, They'll call a soft penalty on the Bruins that they wouldn't call if it was three three. Yeah. So it's 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 gone both ways, and I feel like it's. So why are you calling that? Are you calling that because you're trying to even up the amount of power plays you're giving the team, or are you calling that because it's an actual penalty? Because I'm not really sure anymore. No, no one knows, and like I said, fans of other teams are are reaching out to me saying we don't get it. The officiating is terrible. They don't know what penalties are, so it's not. Us sitting in here saying the Leafs are, you know, going to Game Seven because the refing's been bad. No, the fact is, the refing's been terrible, and I'm sure Bruins fans could agree too. Oh, absolutely! I think they would agree with us too. It's been really, really bad, and there were a couple plays last night. I mean, Char had that elbow and actually left his feet, yeah. and pushed, you know, uh, Muzzin's head into the glass. There's been no talk about a suspension on. No that. talk on that. Matthews' helmet came off. His head's getting smashed into the glass. Marner got blatantly interfered with. Uh, in his own zone, nothing. Like, wasn't even within 20 feet of the puck. And with that being said, though, there's also some times that Toronto has been um, fouling. I don't know if that's the proper word to use in hockey, but they've they've committed an, an act of a penalty, and it hasn't been called either. So I'm not just saying this. I'm not saying it. Mm-hmm. it's only been happening on the Leafs. Like, it's happened on Boston, too. But, yeah, that, that Chara one's a good point. Well, right, even Riley last night, it was either McAvoy or DeBrus, but they, they both sort of fell at the same time, went into the boards. And Riley did sort of 
was debrusque. It was debrusque. He grabbed his head pretty much and like shoved him into the boards a little bit further. That could have been a, like a roughing penalty. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and he was pretty mad after that too. Mm-hmm. But no one knows what a penalty is. Char's been getting away with murder this entire series. He Interference. Has. Headshots. So why isn't the Leafs stepping in and, and, and saying, hey? It's almost like they feel bad for him because he does, in, at moments, Char does look vulnerable that his lack of speed has gotten the best of him. Yeah. It's almost like they feel bad for him because he has, you're right, he has gotten away with a lot of stuff mm-hmm. this series. A lot of things. Especially like his plays on Moore, mm-hmm. on uh, the high hit yesterday was on Muzzin. Or it was a Muzzin. Yeah. It was a Muzzin. <clears throat> seven, was he seven foot? Seven foot? Why does he have to leave his feet at yeah, seven feet? The fact you left your feet and then brought yeah. your elbow up and put hasn't it was a headshot. Yeah. That's exactly what they're trying to get out of the game. So why why is there not a follow up on that or at least some sort of phone here? Especially on Muzzin. Muzzin's one of the tallest players in the NHL. He's a big guy. He literally left his feet to hit him in the head. So it's just like what's frustrating is one is these early calls within the first ten minutes, which are just crippling games yeah. and just crippling the momentum of a, a good even game off the start. And two, all these cheap plays that aren't being called when you when they just went through game one, we had the the Kadri Kadri suspension that completely you know. But see, I I'm okay with those early penalties in the game. If they are a penalty, like if it's a penalty, well, call no, it. They're, they're poor calls, though. Like the yeah, first that's ten right. minutes, first ten minutes, let the game play out. Let these guys yeah. play. Let these guys. Let these guys hit. Similar to what you see in overtime. Like last night, I was watching the Vegas game. Vegas Sharks. They were letting everything go. They were hitting. They were getting physical. But then the game was just. It was going. And it was entertaining. When you come in and you call a penalty five minutes in, team goes on a power play and they score. It completely throws off the momentum of the game. Mm-hmm. Like not just not just for the Leafs, but like for the entire game. Yeah. I think they're doing that early to set a tone to tell both teams, listen, we're not going to take any of your garbage this this game. Mm-hmm. Ease off on these penalties. But then they for, it's like they forget about that. Yeah. They do. They, 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 they totally forget about it. They call the first penalty, and then they're like, oh, okay, never mind. We're just they're happy if the game ends up even amount of power plays on each side. And that, means, and that could mean they could turn a blind eye to two that were called on the Bruins or two that were not called on the Bruins and two that were not called on the Leafs. And that's that's kind of what I don't like about it. If you're going to officiate, officiate the right way, call penalties as you see them, and maybe call it inconsistency with the regular season because I don't see the... I don't see the carryover from how it's called in the regular season to how it's called in the postseason. Like, I'll admit, I mean, refing has to be one of the most difficult jobs on the ice, especially like refing in general, but specifically hockey. Mm. There's so much going on. It's so fast. It's almost impossible to see everything in real time. But they're getting paid and they got hired based off of their skills. And that's their yeah. job, right? So, yeah, it is difficult. It should be important to mention that, that it's hard to get every call right. Right. But be consistent. Yeah, and I, that's and that's exactly my point. Is I, I don't really see the consistency. Um, and then you look at a game like Vegas and the Sharks. What a series that is! Um, everything it's it's like no holds barred in, in that series. Mm-hmm. And I I don't necessarily want to see that in in the Boston and Toronto series because I don't think that's a, a game that leaves really against us. Play. It's play, it kind of yeah. plays against us. But for those two teams, they're both they're pretty yeah. heavy hockey teams. But come on, these these soft like hooking calls and these tripping calls. They're just they're just crippling the team just to see like like those calls in the, in the first ten minutes are brutal man. This little soft like oh. And I, I know they're I know that they're probably Babcock's probably preaching to them be disciplined. And for the most part, they those penalties aren't a lack of discipline. They are being disciplined. It's just a bad call. So they're they're doing what they're told and they're mm-hmm. they're playing disciplined hockey. And then that and then they just they, they get a call that ninety five percent of the time wouldn't even be called anyway. 
Speaking of calls, the Leafs actually got a call on, uh, you know, go in their favor uh, when Matthews scored in game six. Um, I want to talk about that goal that Matthew scored, the, the goaltender interference slash non-goaltender interference. Yeah. Uh, and I want to talk about Johnny Goudreau's no goal in game five against, um, Colorado. against Colorado. Did you guys see that? Yes. The, was it the wraparound? No. The wraparound, yeah. yeah. The one where he banked it off uh, Grubauer's leg. Yeah. Uh, let's start with the Matthews goal. I'm a big believer that things in the NHL kind of even them even uh, themselves out over an extended period of time. I think Matthews was the victim of like four non... Uh, I think they said so almost four, seven. Four, yeah, something like that. Like four no goals, four to seven no goals, mm-hmm. goals that were disallowed during the season. So for him to get finally get that one to go for him in game six was great. Game five. Or sorry, game five was great. For me, uh, I know when I watched the broadcast of the game, they constantly kept bringing up how it was a goaltender interference. I can see why they think that. They were talking about right. it for the first two periods of the Calgary. Yeah, <laughs> they weren't even. They weren't even. Well, like, okay, they were kind of tying it into the Gaudreau non call, but like they were still. I, and I was kind of shocked that Ron yeah. McLean was 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 talking about it so adamantly because like they would not stop. Yeah, they wouldn't let it go. It's like, oh, by the way, by the way, that goal was interference. Like, like, I don't know. To to me. Goalie to me, goalie interference is literally taking the goalie out and preventing him from stopping, from preventing him from stopping the puck and doing his job. Like it's it's such a soft, it was such a soft tap in my opinion. I think so I don't too. one. I think his positioning was horrible. Yeah, like Rask's positioning. If you look at there, and there's different angles that you can pull up or or see online. But if you actually look at all the angles, one his positioning is terrible. He's com- he's completely the right side of the post. He's in no position to make a rebound save, especially on that. It's two, in my opinion. I don't think he's stopping it, regardless. Like on Matthews' shot, even if he had the chance, I don't think he's getting. He's a small goalie. He's way out of position. I don't think he has any chance of making that save. And number three, I think he's barely touched. Like there's yeah. other angles where you see Hyman uh, push off and sort of get into his face, but I don't think that. And the boss player kind of stuck his butt out too. Right? Yeah, like he, yeah. he, he pushed, pushed off. He wasn't. He he didn't come in, and, and his intention was not to take out Rask. His intention was to get positioning off of the defenseman. I forget the defenseman was, but he pushed off him to get a screen in front. He 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 was like sort of half in the crease. It's not like he was right in the net and impeding on Rask making a save, regardless. And two, he didn't, I don't think he had a chance of making the save, so yeah. I don't think you can call that as goal interference. Well, I think it's a good explanation. I'm not. I wouldn't have been shocked if they disallowed it because I've seen them disallow a goal yeah. like that. Before. I thought it was getting called back. So um, that's a problem. But it goes to my earlier point. Yeah. Things always have a way of evening themselves out, and I think that was a classic case of it. One playoff goal is worth the four to seven goals he got disallowed this year. So, like no, I said, things even themselves out. No one truly knows. Like even all these so-called experts debate yeah, it no and they analyze it. No, mm-hmm. They don't. don't know the refs don't even on. know. They don't even know. I, I think what they need to do is, is centralize that to Toronto. Every goalie interference call goes to Toronto, and you have sort of like a internal panel of, of maybe former goalies, even beer league goalies. I don't I don't care. I play beer league hockey. Looking at that play yesterday, I'd even look at that and be like, even if I was a pro, I probably wouldn't get over to that puck. Yeah. You survey those five guys, make a decision. Yeah, no, 100%. But there's a lot of, because uh, there, there was talk about saying, you know, 
and they're like former goalies uh, in the league commenting and saying they, they need to have a goalie in the situation room, but but that could lead to some bias too. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there could be a lot of former goalies that might be for goalies in making those calls because they, they experienced um, bad calls or they, they played in the game. So like they said, it's like a goalie union. You know what I mean? Have like you seen goalie brotherhood? Have you seen the Goudreau one? No. Interference? Can you pull it up? I want to get Brian's take. You've, you've played goalie in the past, I right? I still do. Yeah, you still play yeah, goalie. Play so it's good, it's good to get league. your perspective, yeah. too, because you, you you play goal. Yeah. I uh, personally don't in, think uh, that, that was interference. Like, sh- like shitty, right? Like pickup? Yeah, well, like, like uh, beer league hockey, like, you know, once or twice a week with, yeah. a, with a couple leagues. It's not like there's always a, yeah. there's a group of, there's a couple of former OHL players there, but then there's also a couple of guys who never played hockey before, right? So it's a good good mix of um, of. Yeah, so I'm just looking at it now. Take a look at that one. This yeah. is the Goudreau. We're just showing Brian the Goudreau uh, disallowed goal against uh, Colorado the other night. So they did disallow that on the ice. But the difference is in Toronto, they did call that a goal. Right. So it was disallowed on the ice. Right. I don't see much wrong with uh, with that goal. Or that just no goal. Taking a look at the replay now and get a closer look. Yeah, second period, uh, ten and a half minutes left. That's a big goal. And it was three one. Counts, yeah. It was three one Colorado at the time. I know. It just felt yeah, like to yeah. me, there's there's no way that's goal interference. I don't know yeah. how they call that the goal. I don't know how they call that goalie interference. No, it's it, the only reason I can see is because that play did take place in the crease, for the most part. And he was he was sort of caught up in it too. Like mm-hmm. you see, he was pushed out of position a bit. Yeah. But there's a like it's it's not. But I feel like that's just the that's that's as much the Colorado yeah. players' fault that it is as it is the Calgary player. Yeah. But it's also the angle. They're almost too, battling like, in front of the net. It's not like it's not like uh, he was pushed out of was it Grubauer? Net. It's not like he was pushed out of position and then Goudreau was in front of the net and put the puck in the no, net. No, he was behind. He the was net. behind yeah, the exactly. net and he scored on the side that Grubauer was in and he just banked it off him and in. Like it's a bad goal at a bad angle. It's not like I said he was pushed out of position and all he had to do was tap it in the net. Yeah. Like I, I, again, I don't. You talk see about I, bad breaks. That was a. I, yeah, I felt was that was a bad break for Calgary because I felt that was a goal. Yeah. It would have been three two. And it would have been three two. Right but instead, it was a no goal. Calgary's facing an uphill battle. Got to give Colorado credit. They played really, really well in that series, and you know they, they look like a good team going forward. I didn't pick Colorado. I think we both picked uh, Calgary to win that series. But you know, for the first time in history, we see both number one seeds go out in the first round. I didn't think I never thought Calgary was a true number one. Me either. for whatever reason, I, I don't really watch many Calgary games unless they're playing on the East Coast. But I never really saw them as one of those like dominant number one teams. Uh, for whatever yeah. reason, I'm like I don't know. It's I mean, probably because the Leafs played so well against them. Yeah, absolutely, 100. <laughs> <laughs> percent Absolutely. The Leafs went into Calgary this year and played a really good game. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm just joking. I mean, the Leafs are a good team, but um, yeah, I didn't see them as a true number one either. But nonetheless, Calgary number one seed out. Tampa Bay Lightning out. Like you said, Jordan, this is a wide open Stanley Cup playoffs. I think anybody can win. And if if you look at the other series too, Nashville's on the on Nashville's on the brink of elimination. Boston's on the brink of elimination. Washington might go seven. Washington. If all the teams get out, you have the you have the eight, seven, and six seeds advancing in both conferences. Right. It's anyone that's open for anyone, and I know you're smiling because you, I said Boston is on the brink of elimination. I I, I almost like obviously but, this would never happen, but I almost. Would have rather that I have some sort of commitment tomorrow where I don't have to watch. 
<laughs> like, think about it. You actually sit there and you 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 live every second of that game, and then you lose. You'd be fuming. I'm but, gonna be pissed regardless. But if you had something going on, like you were at, stuck at work and you couldn't stream or check, and then you checked at like 9:30 and you saw they lost, yeah, you'd be mad, very mad, but not as mad as if you were watching. But I am gonna be mad. Like we talked about mentally preparing ourselves to lose. I, there's no mental preparation that can make me feel better about losing tomorrow. I'm mad if they lose five nothing. I'm mad. If, I'm mad if they lose seven four. I'm gonna be mad if Toronto loses tomorrow, and that's just the nature of it because um, I'm a Leafs fan. You know, I we try. I try. I try to stay somewhat impartial on uh, on the podcast, but I mean, I'm a Leafs fan. Well, it's like you said. The history. The history of losing is there. So it's it's extremely hard to be optimistic, but what uh, what team or sport was it where the coach went in the dressing room and put like either a trophy or a, a bunch of money on the table and said this uh, is yours? New Orleans. New Orleans. Uh, Sean Payton did that before. See, this year. I, I honestly think Shandy should go into the dressing room tomorrow with literally just like put the cup in the dressing room. Not even the cup. Just put like five million dollars. Put five million dollars in front of every single person's <laughs> bench and say you win. You come back after the 60 minutes, or if it goes overtime, you win. That's yours. Cash. Five million each. Wow. Well, then Johnny T's like, hey, I got 11. I got 11 this year, so it doesn't matter. That's true, it's but if you're playing five million for one yeah. game, like, yeah, that's pressure, but don't you think a lot of those, maybe Nylander won't circle back and, and not really care about his uh, physical game anymore? Maybe Trevor Moore gets it. Yeah. The, the guys who need it. The Leafs have the money. Like, MLSC has the money, and I'm sure there's tons of CBA rules that say you can't do something like that. But under there the there table. probably is. I don't know of, of any. There probably is a rule that says you can't do it. But then, like, just imagine they do that, and they just come out with a stinker. Like, imagine Shanahan pulls out $5 million, puts it in the middle of the room. The, the media is going to catch wind of that. It's going to be all over Twitter. It's going to be all over social media. Imagine they come out and just get dusted 6 nothing. Yeah. Well, then so the I think whole, that's why they wouldn't do well, that. Well, then the whole, uh, you know, the whole narrative would be like, oh, you're just about money, not winning a cup for the city. And they'll just, they'll just find any way to just roast. doesn't matter. I, I would work for me. Even if I made 11 yeah, million a year and they said, if you win tonight, you get 5 million cash each. That'll fire you up. Let's go. Let's mm-hmm. get after it. Maybe that's what these guys need. I don't know. It seems like a lot of these younger guys are fueled by money anyway. So give to- me some money. Toronto isn't the only uh, sports franchise that has a chance of winning a championship this year. Um, what made Toronto, or what made us feel a little better yeah. about uh, Easter Sunday was the fact that the Raptors played at seven, and the Raptors came up with a big game four victory over the Orlando Magic. It wasn't, you, it wasn't even a game. Did it you wasn't guys actually game. think they'd lose this series though, even no, after no, game no. one? Like no, I, no, no, no way. Again, I'm not a Raps fan. I, even I knew like this will probably be done in five. No, Raps in five. It wasn't even a game. Well, they, what I th- they weren't even playing. What I think, though, Brian, is maybe why a lot of us were... I, would, I wouldn't say worried. I wasn't worried at all after game uh, after game one when they lost. But the Raptors should be able to beat a team like this, like you said, in five. Which they look like they're four, going to. Which now yeah. it looks like they're going to. But, you know, they also had to win. It was like, okay, can they win four straight? Can they win two on the road? And they did. And they absolutely, they, they rinsed the, the Orlando Magic. I was, wasn't was really worried. I just feel like a team in the first round, an elite team such as the Raptors, has to establish their dominance. They're doing that now. And now they're yeah. doing it, right? Now they're doing it. Like the, like the Bucks, they're, they took out, um, who they take out? The, the Pistons. It's not over yet. It's not over they yet, but it looks like they're going to take them out in four. Boston's taken out the Pacers in four. The big teams always win those. Um, the elite teams, sorry, the championship teams always win those early rounds in at yeah. least four or five. 
It's, it's funny because Leafs fans only want to get past the first round, but Raps fans want to get past the third round. Yeah. You know, like the expectation with the Raps is they'll coast through the first round. Yeah. They'll have a very good chance in the second round. Then where it really matters is the third round. I just, I think that speaks to... It's a good place to be in as a yeah, fan. Yeah, it is. It is, absolutely. You know, like where you can win a round and it's expected. It's, and it's the difference of the sports too, right? Like it's way harder to just beat a number eight seed in the NHL in four than it is in... Uh, Basketball. Mm-hmm. I think I read somewhere today five times since like the early '90s has a uh, a top seed in the NBA lost to an eight seed. Really? Where that's happened twice already in this playoffs in hockey. Yeah. Right. So in the NBA, it's it's almost a guarantee if you finish top two or three. Yeah. You're moving on to the next round. And I think that's what we like about hockey so much is the um, is the unpredictability. Yeah. Anybody can win. Um, but yeah, and the NBA basketball is a little bit of a different beast. The elite teams are expected. Uh, you're expected to take care of teams like Orlando in in, in four or five games. I think the Raps are dialed in. Honestly, I, I think Kawhi has been playoff Kawhi. He said he's he said the regular season's a practice for him. Mm-hmm. I think he's proving that now. Again, Orlando's not the best way to really gauge um, gauge that statement. We'll see what he does second and third round. The next round against the six. Well, it looks like the Sixers. They haven't won yet. It's three one Sixers. That that, that'll be a real test. A fun series to watch as an yeah. impartial fan. Yeah. Again, who doesn't really care which way the series goes. I think that'll be fun because Philly's got some guys that you just love to hate. Mm-hmm. And I think Toronto will sort of rally around those kind of guys and, and, and spew that hatred towards them. So I, I'm fired up. I, I'm like I'm truly excited as a basketball fan to watch that series. Yeah, and playoff Kawhi looks like a thing. He's dominating games. And then you got Pascal Siakam. He's playing unbelievable. Like Kawhi was, you know, he had that whole thing with the illness the other day. He said he didn't practice for two days. Siakam comes out, gets 30. And I posted on our on our Twitter, I think I also posted a picture on our Instagram. Um, I asked the question, is is Pascal Siakam, is he a star? Is he a star NBA player? He's butting into one for sure. I don't think he's a star, um, but I think he's butting into a very good player. I don't know if he'll reach that sort of superstar, like well, let's talk brand about like- name sort of player like in the on the top 10. Well, what's a star? Like is a star a star someone who makes the all-star game? Not right? even because even that's a little wishy-washy. Mm-hmm. But I, I, yeah, most superstars make the All Star game. Obviously, I'm not saying I'm not saying superstar is he a star? Like is Pascal Siakam a star? Superstar is different. For superstar the, is your LeBron James, your Giannis, yeah. your Kawhi Leonard. Not yet. I think yeah. he has to have another full, like a great playoff, another full year, showing yeah. that he can do that over the course mm-hmm. of a full season. One more good playoff. Then okay, you're in that. You're not in a superstar category. You're in a star category. Yeah. I agree. I think he's just too. Too new of a player yet to sort of tag him as a as a star. Like he's he's just, this is a breakout year mm-hmm. for sure for him. But I don't think he can just come in and name him a superstar. I think in terms of uh, Toronto, he's he's uh, definitely a, a face of the Raptors. But I mean, you you got to be consistent to to be a superstar. I think yeah, like you said he's he's he's, he's getting there. I'm not sure if you guys know this about. Uh, Pascal Siakam. He's 25 years old. Yeah. You might know this, Jordan. I'm not, I'm not sure if you know this, yeah. Brian. He's only been playing organized basketball since he was 17 years old. Not bad. That's pretty good. Pretty right? natural talent right there. Yeah. Big guy. You know, um, he's developing his skill every year. And now it, it's almost like he can be that guy you rely on when Kawhi is having a little bit of an off game or he is going through an illness. It's, it's nice to have that guy that you feel like you can put the ball in his hands to get you some harder mm-hmm. points or some points in the paint uh, during a game. But that's pretty impressive. Imagine you just picked up hockey or picked up soccer um, 
when you're 17 years of age. Mm-hmm. This guy picked it up at 17 and he's playing in the NBA. That's wild. I think it speaks to well, I think it speaks to his talent, but his commitment to being a better player, mm-hmm. right? And um, if if he can if he can be the player that he is showing he is right now, and we know that he is willing to put in the work and put in the effort, maybe the sky's the limit for him. Maybe he can be uh, someone that can make an All Star game. I don't know if he'll be a superstar. I think it's hard to become a superstar in the NBA. DeMar DeRozan is not even considered a superstar. He puts up consistent numbers every year. He's a star player. Um, but who knows? Who knows what the ceiling is for Siakam? One thing I know is that he's a great one-two punch with Kawhi right now. I was going to say that. I'm glad you mentioned it. I think that that strengthens the case for Kawhi staying, given his level of play. Because mm-hmm. now he can look at a guy like Siakam and say, you know what, I wouldn't mind playing with him for the next you know, six, seven years. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that'll that'll be interesting too. Is I mean, we've been talking about that for a while too. Will Kawhi stay? Hundred percent. It makes their makes their case better. You know what I loved about him when his quote came out. He didn't specifically mention that he was ill for what was a game game three. And I think some of the reporters asked him after, like, why didn't you say anything? He's like, because there's no excuses in the playoffs. I love love that mentality. Yeah. yeah. He didn't make he's a, not a flashy guy at all. He didn't he's make a hard point that he was sick because yeah. he didn't want to like have any you know. Uh, Excuses before the game actually um, started. I and he came out after his asset and said, "There's no excuse in the playoffs." I love it. It's kind of the quiet leader you want. Fires right? me up when like guys like that are just unbelievable. Yeah. You know? Just focus on the game. None of this excuse nonsense. Let's just go out there and play. And if I'm sick, I'll try and get through it. He's actually the perfect player for Tor- for the Raptors for for the city of Toronto, and that's why I hope they can keep them because it's not just about his talent. We know he has unbelievable talent, but it's. It's the it's the aura of Kawhi Leonard. It's the attitude he has. It's the experience he brings. It's everything about him is almost so polarizing for a guy that doesn't say much. I think he stays mainly because of that. Because Toronto is sort of yeah, it's a it's not a destination in the NBA. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of these guys down south, some have never been to Canada, yeah. or some people never even heard of Toronto if it wasn't for the Raps. So I think he just likes that sort of level of obscurity where he's not the focus. Uh, of the NBA's attention. He can come up here, he can play. Yeah, people recognize him, but maybe not as much if he was in LA and there's not that spotlight on him all the time. He's not always on ESPN. He's not always on all these like, you know, high profile shows or segments or anything like that. Yeah. I, I think uh, no one truly knows, but I think that maybe plays into it a little bit. He can yeah. just live in Toronto, play his game, doesn't have to worry about much. It's still a fun city to be in. But it's not like the media is not on him though. Like if you watch like the Raptors and him are, are getting a lot more attention in the US. Yeah. Especially on like ESPN and stuff like that. Well TNT Kawhi. was interviewing Kawhi right after the game. Yeah, like Kawhi is a superstar yeah. in the NBA. And now that he's on a team at Toronto, the media is is still gonna be flocking to him. Yeah. And you're also gonna deal with the Toronto media too. Let's not forget it's a huge, you know the Toronto media. Is They're Toronto passive media. for basketball though. Not they, anymore though. They know. Not anymore. There's Trust a lot. Me. There's high expectations for this team. No. It's not. Sorry, sorry, who's, who's who's passive on basketball? Toronto media. Oh yeah. They're compared so to, passive. Compared, well, compared to the Leafs, but I think it's it's building up now that they have uh, a franchise player like him. And now that they see that their their chances of winning a championship are there, and they have a superstar, I think the media. Is starting to fuck. They're not. They're not on the least level. They, there's no they, way. The Leafs are on a completely different. But they're level still right they're relevant. a big ticket team. The Raps are in, I mean? inferior in the NBA, and the media knows that, and they still play into that 
inferiority complex where they don't want to say anything too negative to the players because it'll maybe people won't like the Raptors. They're they're heavily biased against the Raptors though. They they bat they they give them no respect. I think they're media. I think they're super soft on the Raps. Well, I think yeah, they can write they can write articles that are that maybe are critical. But they're not on like New York Knicks, Celtics level or anything like that. Oh, no, no. Because no. arguably those are the number one. Well, maybe not New York. The Yankees are number one. But they play in during different times of yeah. the year, right? So, yeah, they're, re- they're very critical in the Knicks. Um, but they're also a, his- a historic team in terms of basketball. Like they're on like almost like yeah, a, an original six level but like the Leafs are. Any reporter in the, that can talk to Kawhi about the weather, that's soft. Oh, do you like it in Canada? It's cold. Give me a break. You know what I mean? Like that big league teams don't ask their superstar players if they like the weather. That's those are softball questions because Toronto wants to be loved. Toronto is a great sports city. It's a, it's turned into a great basketball city, but when the Leafs are in the playoffs, they're taking all the media's yeah, attention. There's no there's no doubt about it. And maybe that's a good thing for the Raptors. I think so. Kind of fly under the radar. Think about this for a second. Tomorrow's game 7. Leafs Boston Raptors are playing Game 5 In Toronto Who's going to Game 5 In Toronto There'll be people there It'll be sold out But who really Like Does anybody really care Yeah There's a lot There's Game 7 Against the Bruins I know There's there's a a lot of Very dedicated Raptors Only fan base That don't give a shit About hockey For sure there is For sure there is And there's the same there's, There's also Dedicated Jays Fan base that yeah, is heavy leaning, yeah, a thousand, <laughs> a thousand of them. <laughs> saying, but there, there's not just a, a dedicated, you know, the Leafs over everything. There are they're grown into their own sort of team in terms of getting away from that Leaf shadow, where they obviously the Leafs are the, the most dominant team in franchise in Toronto. That there's no question about that. But it's not now. It's not all about. The mm-hmm. Leafs now. The, the Raptors are creating their own sort of space, and they have their own dedicated. Like you said, they have a dedicated fan base. It's a very niche fan base, I think. But I think like those fans that are focused on the Raps don't care about hockey. Whereas I think like there's still a lot of hockey fans that are going to watch a Leafs yeah. game with sort of one one year, one eye on the Raps yeah. game to see what's going on there. But they're still obviously watching the the Leafs. Mm-hmm. But I still think still think that arena sold out tomorrow. And Imagine that, being a season ticket holder though. For the Raptors, and you're trying to sell your seats tomorrow for the game. I still don't think you'd have a problem. You, you'll, you'll, you'll get a buyer, but you're not going to be selling them for as much as you would be selling them for as if it were maybe a game five with no Leafs Boston. Um, and maybe the tickets would be a little more expensive, or you get a better return on your tickets if the Leafs weren't in the playoffs. Oh, absolutely. Right? I'm so, going. yeah, like it's. I also think that they won't get as big of a return because they're expected to win and this is an easy series. That's right. That too. Yeah, if right? this was a Milwaukee series or, or second, round, second round yeah. against the Sixers or let's say even if they're playing the Celtics in the first round, you know, you're you're not it's not as a hot a ticket as everyone thinks because it's game 5, they're going to they're there's no doubt that they're going to win. I'm completely yeah. confident they're going to come in and just blow them out at home. Yeah. And th- th- again, that, that kind of turns people off from it because there's no, I mean. It's expected. Yeah, it's expected. I'm curious to see what Maple Leaf Square does. I know for game five, they, the Leafs had the main screen and sort of side screens had the wraps. Oh, is on. that right? Yeah. Tomorrow they're playing both at the same time. So I'm curious to see what MLSE, MLSE does. I think they oh, think it's they going to the home team. But I don't know about. I think it's going to be full Leafs. I, it has to be, you know, 
full they list. They haven't released it yet, from what it's I know. Game seven. Right? I think they they made a decision that it, I think it favors the home team. Oh, is that really for, is that for right? broadcast? Right like for a home broadcast, I think they favor the home team. The home team gets first dip. You are right about the fact that uh, the Raptors are getting like they do have their own very committed, very real. Raptors fans that might not even care what the, the the Leafs are doing. I think that's totally true. Yeah. Um, but I think in terms of their overall respect around the league and their coverage, when's the last time they've had a seven o'clock Easter Sunday game? Or they have, they haven't played on Christmas Day. Right. Well, that's that's something different, right? Christmas Day is like the day for those big. Uh, yeah, but basketball games. The Raptors the fact, are no, we're a second remember, seed. But do you remember when the Milwaukee Raptors, played, Milwaukee played on when Christmas. the Raptors first made it back to the playoffs? Yeah. Uh, when they were facing the was it the Wizards that one year? They were getting three o'clock games every game. Like they yeah. they rarely played mm-hmm. seven o'clock games until that one year where they had the Pacers and and the Heat, and then they and then they faced uh, the, the Cleveland Cavaliers in the third round. Then they were getting primetime games because you're facing LeBron James. It feels like now, now it's almost like TNT, ESPN are giving Raptors a little more respect. They're getting those seven o'clock starts on an Easter Sunday. I think a lot pretty of that, good. I think a lot of that is Kawhi though. A lot of it's I think Kawhi. the Rosen's still yeah. here. I don't think they're it's, getting it's the same. Probably one hundred percent Kawhi. Leonard, all, right? I don't think it's. I don't think that's a testament to the Raptors. I think it's a testament to Kawhi. I agree. ESPN cares about Kawhi, and yeah, the Raps are doing good things. They have a chance. But if the Rosen was still here, it'd be the same narrative. They'll probably lose second round. ESPN won't care about them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. So I was just looking it up in terms of the uh, Maple Leaf Square tomorrow night. Um, apparently, they're hosting. Both. So they're going to have a combined tailgate that features the Raptors home game and the Leafs game seven. So what are they showing on so the big gonna, screen? So they're going to air, I believe they're going to air the Raptors game that this on the year big screen year? this year. They're going to they're gonna air the Raptors game on the big screen, and they're going to have smaller screens in Maple Leaf Square for the Leaf game. Well... At that point, like if you're a lease fan, just stay home or go to somewhere else to watch. Like, yeah. And they're also bringing in more screens on Bremner. Yeah, go watch, go watch it in the comfort of your own home. That way, if they lose, you don't have to sulk with like <laughs> or smash a car. Thousands or of other Leafs fans. Yeah, just watch it at home scrap and scrap someone on the street. I don't know. Although the Leafs lost, I was in Maple Leaf Square for Game Six against Washington. They lost in overtime there, and it almost it was almost like comforting being around other Leafs fans at that time. It kind of is. Yeah. It was almost like you you could look around and you saw. You know, some people were still happy and trying to joke around, be positive, and some people were sad. And it was almost nice being around that many Leafs fans. Sort of I can like agree with that because t- 2013, we went to Leafs, Maple Leaf Square to watch, I think it was game four. Mm. Leafs, uh, Bruins went for enough to turn the puck over. Yeah. And yeah, although we were all mm. mad, it was kind of all like, it was almost like a sense of togetherness because we were all sharing that same yeah, pity and same emotion. Good. And same emotion, right? Whereas, like, if I'm at home, I'm, I'm like, just, I want to break something. Like, I flipped my chair like last year and broke my lamp because of that, right? <laughs> Or is if I'm with a bunch of other Leafs fans, I feel. Should we go? Yeah. <laughs> like, is that an option? <laughs> to Maple Leaf Square? Just I don't want to watch it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I almost. Maybe we'll come here and watch it. We'll touch base. Should we, after. should we watch it all together tomorrow? We never have. What's our record? No, guys, this is like. We have a good, pure, pretty decent like, RS record, but. This is. The, we can watch it right here. Right here. If you guys want. It's the offer I mean, there. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be. You don't have the answer right now, time. but it is totally available. We can watch it here, and we can get fired up together. We can get fired up together after, or we can um, 
We can throw some stuff. I can buy some stuff for us to break and throw if they lose. We'll, we'll talk off air. We'll, we'll yeah. circle back on that and maybe post what, what we're going to do. Yeah. 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 But before we get into our three stars, uh, be sure, guys, to follow us on Instagram at purposely underscore offside. Follow us on Twitter at PO Sports Talk. Uh, you can email us purposely offside at gmail.com. Give us your comments. Give us your feedback. Um, let us know what you want us to discuss. Any topics you want us to discuss, we're more than willing to share. Ask us any questions. Maybe one day we'll go live. Yeah. Do some live questions. Yeah. Uh, that'd be okay. But please send us, subscribe, send us comments, uh, give us some feedback, see how we're doing. Yeah, um, things are coming along. Things are coming along. Yeah. We might even, uh, we're working on something at McMaster University right now. Yeah. CFMU. Yeah. So stay tuned on that. We might be able to do a dual on air um, live podcast, which yeah. would be pretty cool. Be on the airwaves there. So keep an eye on that. We'll see if something uh, comes out of that. But uh, that'd be something we can I think it'd be cool. It'd be cool to go live. Um, it'd be cool to go live one day. And to do like a broadcast where we can actually get comments live to yeah. us. You can even get some callers in uh, as well and share thoughts. Yeah, 100%. So anyway, subscribe, comment, and um, yeah, let us know what he wants to talk about. We're going to go with um, the three stars of the week. So hit it for us, Jordan. We got some theme music. Theme music for the three stars of the week. Let's go. Is this, is this, who sings this? No idea. Okay. Right, who sounds, like a, sounds like a Tiesto song. I used to, used to love Tiesto back in the day. Oh, yeah. Sounds like a Tiesto song right there. All right, who you got? So who are we starting here? Who's starting with the three stars? Our first star. Remember, these are not in any specific order. We all got a star that we're going to pick throughout the week. I'll keep it quick. I'll, I'll, I'll start it off. I'll just go with Mr. Jones from the San Jose Sharks. Stud effort last night. It was a 58 out of 59 uh, shots he, he saved. Pretty impressive to win in double overtime. And uh, and it's not easy as a goalie to uh, to play almost two full games in one night and make nearly 60 saves. So good on him. I'm going with Tomas Hurdle, also from the Sharks. Um, if you don't know, he also had a, a prediction that their game was going seven, or the series is going seven, excuse me, and they're going to go back to San Jose and take care of business. Guy ends up coming in and snipping in double overtime. Just goes back on his guarantee and ends up winning it for the Sharks. He marked so Messier. He, he pulled a Messier. Might not have been as direct as Messier, but uh, still pretty ballsy to come in and uh, in the playoffs and guarantee that win, and he actually got it. So good on him, Thomas Hurdle. I got, as I'm slowly fist-pumping to this non-Tiesto song, um, I'm, I got our boy. I got our, I got our boy, Austin Matthews. He's done everything we've asked him to do in the playoffs. Uh, five goals so far in the series. You can't argue with his production. We need the guy. Uh, we needed the guy. He stepped up. We're going to need him even more tomorrow. Uh, let's hope he continues to stay dominant. Um, so Austin Matthews is my star of the week. Keep going, yeah. Go no, ahead. just very quickly. I called him out after the first game, and he's been on a tear ever since then. I called out Kapanen a couple of games ago. He scores in game five. 
I call, called out Tavares a couple days ago. Let's hope he has a big game seven. I called the BG guarantee. You giving them the wooden spoon? <laughs> now you're going to get it, Bobby. <laughs> Before we go, predictions for the score tomorrow. Go. Do we have to do this? Yes. We're ending it off this way. What's your prediction? I can't do it. Do it. I can't. I predicted yesterday and we lost. I am not going to learn from I'm going to learn from my mistake. I'm not going to predict. I'm going 4-3 Leafs. Oh, boy. Let's go, boys. <laughs> That's aggressive. Should we leave it at him? Or are you predicting? I don't even want, I, I really don't want to. Don't do it. If you don't feel comfortable, don't do it. Let's just leave it at Jordan's. Should we? Let's leave it. Jordan, you sticking with that? 4-3. Final answer? Final answer. Tavares gets the winner. Overtime? No overtime. <laughs> Tune in tomorrow, guys. Big Game 7. Thanks for listening. Thank <laughs> you.